listening to The Atomic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to another episode of The Atomic Geeks podcast. My name is Michael DiGiovanni, and I'm going to be your host this week. I'm currently in Toronto, and I'm drinking a West Mall Trappist beer, and it's quite tasty. Let's see what other heroes we have around the Hall of Justice. Hey, you've got uh, Andrew Bloom here in London, and uh, I'm trying something a little different tonight, drinking a light beer of all things. That's all I had in the house. Uh, Miller Light with Lime, or sorry, Bud Light with Lime. It's not bad. It tastes kind of like soda pop. Uh, <laughs> gay. Oh. Uh, <laughs> hi, it's Super Christian, sitting in his Fortress of Solitude. And uh, thanks to a sale at the beer store, I'm cracking bottle number one of Steelback Light, proudly crafted in Tiverton, Ontario. Tiverton, Ontario? Where the hell is that? sounds made up. Tiverton, I don't know how to spell it. I don't know. Just a beer I'm drinking. It was cheap. Two guys on light beer tonight. Look out. Uh, Eight bucks for a six-pack. I said, sold. Oh, geez, you can't beat that. Uh, Mike Downs, still in Halifax. Every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. Um, I'm drinking what I'm going to call some pencil crayon ale, or lager tonight, as a matter of fact. And if you're wondering what that means, uh, my youngest child, we'll call him Satan, um, got into my office and dropped pencil crayons into my carboy of my brewing beer. And so I had to go in when you're not supposed to go in and take it out. And so it's not quite bad, but it's not quite good either. I guess we'll see what the effects are like after maybe an hour or so. If like the the fermentation process of the pencil shavings. Does it taste like cadmium blue? Yeah, no, no. I mean, I was worried, right? I'm like, can you get that? And I looked it up, and apparently, lead poisoning is an old wives' tale. So, uh, you know, like I guess at least well, from what we were told as kids, I'm sure lead poisoning does exist. But you know, I don't think pencils are pencils are actually made of graphite. Right, it's not That's, even lead, right? Right. I saw that yeah. on how it's made the other night, as a matter of fact. While we're talking about Mike Downs' life, let's share a little bit of a detail. So I actually, just to quickly, we've talked about it every week for the past four, three weeks. Um, I, I did get to see Wolverine in the theater, and I just wanted to kind of comment a bit because, um, you know, DJ, you came out pretty negative last week, and while I don't think the movie was great, um, and you said this, but I think it, it, it kind of bears repeating a little bit, it's no Daredevil or Catwoman. I mean, um, the story isn't great, but, I mean, the action I thought was pretty good. Um, and I thought, and I, I go back to the fact that I still think, I, I can't imagine anyone but Hugh Jackman now playing Wolverine. And uh, as you said, you know, it, it killed at the box office. So I, I don't know, I was, when I listened to the podcast after we recorded last week, I thought we came off sounding maybe, and this was probably your your point, I guess, but it sounded off a little bit negative. So I wanted to kind of see it again in the theater. And I didn't. Again, I didn't hate it. I'm not going to rush out, and buy, rush out and buy the DVD, but it's it's better than a lot of crap out there. And I just got to say that we're at a time in comic book movies where you know you're going to get characters like Wolverine who are in shitty movies. And I think that's just kind of par for the course where we're at. And I'm just glad to see, hey, a movie about Wolverine by himself. But that's hey, all you I know want what, to Downs, say. I agree with you on that, and I will touch on one thing. I completely agree with you on Hugh Jackman being the ultimate and perfect casting choice for for Wolverine. There's no question about that. But I don't think we should settle for comic book characters being in shitty movies. The 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 bar has been raised now in comic book films. And 
But uh, definitely Wolverine of all characters, after especially what Brian Singer did with the uh, X-Men 1 and 2, I mean, it, Wolverine is deserving of a better film than what this first film was. I agree with you. This was not Daredevil. This was definitely not Fantastic Four and especially not Halle Berry's piece of shit <laughs> Catwoman film. But I have to say, I, I, I still am going to give this a negative review. And I think Wolverine as a character and Hugh Jackman's portrayal of Wolverine deserves better. And I guess, you know, it's just we're not always going to get great movies. Like, you're going to get A Dark Knight, but you're also going to get, like every other genre, horror, comedy, or whatever, there's going to be uh, blockbusters, but there's going to be duds. And that's just the business of making movies. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I don't think, I think we're lucky that we've had as many good as we've had, honestly. I think we're probably going to see a lot more shit as the genre gets to be a real standing genre. You're going to have fucking studios putting a lot of shit out there. So, no, I hear you maybe, on maybe I'm just saying our expectations are too high. I don't know. No, and I hear you, on, and I and that's true. That's like the law of averages when it comes to film. But when I just right. think of the Wolverine stories that are there for fodder, when you think of some of Claremont's and Frank Miller's stuff and the stuff that they did in uh, Japan and whatnot, Jesus Christ, Wolverine deserves a pretty good movie. You know, if you if our next film's going to be shit, well, let's give that to fucking Darkhawk or something. Right, like, you know, right, right. <laughs> well, it's, and, and like, if I can just say something, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I don't think, like Mike's saying, we should accept crappy movies just because we want to see Wolverine in a movie. I think, and you shouldn't just say, well, it's just nice to see it, or it's at least it's Wolverine. I'll, I'll, I'll be nice to it. If it's a bad movie, it's a bad movie, hands down. Yeah, but, but there's nothing. There's nothing you and I can do about that. You know what I mean? They're, they're, these no, guys are off in their fucking uh, towers, and they're doing whatever the fuck they want. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, really? I mean, all, all we can do is watch it and tell people that we hate it. Yeah, or, or, or download it instead of paying at the movie theater, but then you're, you know, you're considered a fucking pirate and the worst scour scourge of the earth. You know what I mean? Well, I think, I think I what know. all you guys have to do is essentially do what I have done, is essentially develop a filter where everything seems to be fantastic and there's no crap out there in superhero movies at all. There you go. That, that that actually explains so much. I love everything. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of uh, of crappy uh, crappy superhero stuff, if I can uh, if I can switch topics and follow and, that uh, perfect segue, follow that perfect segue straight into the finale of Heroes that just uh, occurred this past Monday. And I've Holy not seen it as as I said, right? Steaming pile of crap for a season. <laughs> um, Christian, you stopped watching it, didn't you? Don't ruin it for me. I'll never see it. <laughs> okay, well, DJ, I know you watch Heroes still, or at least I'm hoping you've seen the finale because I'm so disappointed. I like it's. I don't even know if I can say disappointed anymore because I've been let down all season. And then we get to the finale, and what do they do again? We've got we're going to have a great big fight, and it's going to be Siler, and it's going to be all these people. They close the doors literally on the fight, and we don't even get to see it. <laughs> all we see is lights and explosions and they open up the door when the fight's all done and oh we're just supposed to accept that like they can't deliver even on the finale you know you said something that uh i really agree with is that my expectations of this program have been so lowered now they're so in the basement that i almost can't really be disappointed any longer in the show heroes i continue to watch as we've mentioned before in previous podcast episodes simply out of the fact based on this is a TV show about motherfucking superheroes. But yet uh, 
I agree with you. Uh, this season, I believe season three, which felt like it's gone on for a long time. I think that's why they uh, split it into the two volumes, and maybe that's why I feel that way. But uh, it has probably been one of the most schizophrenic seasons of any television series. It's like they hired 14 different writing staffs through one season of TV. Like, it is unbelievable from a start to finish of just this season, how things have kind of gone up and down. It's just absolutely well, ridiculous. If you could just pick on what you're saying, schizophrenic, like look at Siler's character. What's gone on for the last um, five episodes even? He's changed his mood, his plan, his idea, his look even. For every episode, something different's happening. He's got a different idea, a different person he wants to kill or beat. Or now he's all of a sudden lost his mind, and he's he's not only playing Siler, trying to you know help the the so-called good guys. He's also playing his mom. Yeah, he, you know, like well, that, he, that that character though has been fucked for a while now, right? I mean, yeah, from, but Downs like this it, it came is out beyond. pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I stopped watching this season. The last thing I saw was when Siler's dad turned out to be Lex Luthor's dad, and I was like, "What yeah. the fuck?" And then I just I stopped watching at that point because I didn't understand how those guys could be both guys' dad. You know, it's pretty, it's <laughs> it's pretty unbelievable because to Andrew, you were alluding to this the the amount of story arcs that Siler's character went through in this one given season is probably what any other character would go through in about ten seasons. Like, he went from being bad guy to reformed good guy, working for the FBI, to rogue fugitive, looking for his father, to killing his father, to coming back, becoming full-blown bad guy again, shapeshifter, trying to become the president, like, to dying again. How does he get to the Starship Enterprise? Well, that's, I believe, is that's going to be in some web-only series during the summer. <laughs> I'm obviously written, not taking this conversation. Written by well. 17 different writers. No, I agree, Andrew. The, uh, Heroes has been inc- incredibly frustrating. There's no question about that. Uh, I've lost all faith in it, but yet, can I say I won't watch the uh, season premiere of season four? I don't know. Maybe it's time to pull the plug on it. I'm going to take that perfect segue that I just set myself up for there and talking about uh, and get ourselves into tonight's uh, topic. And tonight's topic includes the following. The Dukes of Hazard, Seinfeld, Star Trek The Next Generation, X-Files, The Simpsons, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. What do all these things have in common? These are all fan-favorite programs that were given good runs on television, or in, in the case of The Simpsons, continue to have a good run on television. Of course, though, for all of the programs like I just mentioned, there are a number of, uh, of programs that were basically kicked off life support way too quickly. Tonight, the Atomic Geeks are going to look back to some of our favorite programs that were canceled way too quickly before their time. And we're going to try to understand why this happened and what the hell is the matter with the TV networks and, more importantly, with the TV audience. So, guys, as we're about to get into this, I'm sure there's a lot of programs that we can say that are a lot of close to our heart. Let's start off with 
the obvious one. If anyone who has been a longtime fan of the Atomic Geeks, they've heard us mention the program Firefly. This is clearly the epitome of the program that I'm talking about. Firefly lasted, how many episodes did it last? 10, 12? Something like that. I think, I think what, they make 13 and only 10 of them aired? Yeah, uh, 14. Uh, yeah, 13 aired, one did not. Now, this is an example, a, a perfect example of what we're talking about here. An incredible program that has been embraced by geek culture beyond, I think, what they ever expected. And within 12 episodes, cut off at the knees. Like, what is the deal with this? Like, I mean, does anyone have any explanation about why, why Firefly was put out to pasture so quickly? Uh, I have some knowledge. If uh, I'll jump in first, which I'm likely to do. Um, I actually watched a documentary called Done the Impossible, which has, uh, and so if, if you're interested in Firefly, you should pick this up. It has the guy who plays, um, uh, what's the guy's name, who, uh, the kind of funny guy, the comedic relief, but the big guy with all the guns. He's got a girl's name, maybe? Oh, oh. the guy from Chuck, and his name is... Adam Baldwin. Uh, Adam Baldwin, right. What's his, whatever, what his character name is? I can't remember. Uh, someone's town. He, they go to the town, right, and, and he's like a hero there. So everyone knows who I mean. So he, he hosts this episode. It's called Done the Impossible. And the interesting thing is it's a documentary about the fact that for the, this, the movie that came out for Firefly was the first time kind of in television history that a canceled show was brought back due to fan um, kind of fever and put into a movie. But the interesting thing about the document about the documentary is they talk about the beginnings of Firefly and, and, and how people experienced it. And it, it's funny because it's how I experienced it as well, and that's why I brought the kind of the point up was I remember when Firefly came out catching one episode and being like, I mean, at the time, you know, I mean, I, I was a Buffy and Angel fan, but it wasn't quite like I don't think you were following things on the Internet like you do nowadays. And I remember not being able to find it again. I remember fi seeing this show about cowboys in space. And I remember at, at my, my wife currently at the time was my girlfriend, and she was like, sorry, what? This show is about what exactly? These guys are on, on horses, so they're cowboys, but they're in space? And I was like, yeah, does that not sound like the coolest fucking show ever? And she was like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. And then I never saw it again, and so I think... Um, and this show talked about it a lot, too, was the fact one of the problems was that it was not given a consistent time slot. I think one or two episodes aired and then there was like nothing for like a month or something. So I think part of the problem definitely goes to the studio in terms of how they treated, aired and, and launched the show. But you know what? To your point, though, Downs, I mean, and I think we're all in agreement here. And if I can get a hey from the rest of you guys. We, we're all huge Firefly, Firefly fans. Is that? Hey. Yep. Hey. Okay, so get your hands up. What? Get your hands up. So uh, we, like, I definitely am a huge fan now. But I went, I'll be, I'll be honest, I've actually watched the show after the fact. I watched it on DVD. I never watched it while it was on air. And I agree with you. Do we think the premise of the program was a little strange for TV audience, and I'm using air quotes now, for the general TV-going audience, a Fox broadcasting television-viewing audience to really get into. Because you're right, you summed up the actual premise of the program there. It's Space Cowboys. Is that... I mean, and you really think about it, and one of the, my only... I'm very, I love that show, but one of my things that I still have a little bit of problems with is the opening to the program. 
that song, the kind of the ship flying over, the the cows, oh, really? and the cattle range. I, I like that. I, I know. I, my life, take my land. Yeah, wing, yeah. Wing, well, wing, it, it feels like a cowboy. It's it's a it feels like a western, right? Like, yeah, yeah like little, it is a little bit soft for the show. Like, I and I, Joss Wheaton wrote and sang or played whatever did that intro, but it's a little bit soft for that for that for that show. You'd get the wrong idea if you were watching the intro. You'd go, yeah, this sucks. And you keep yeah. going, and well, I and it, I agree look. with that, and I think it's not like I, I I understand it nails the the premise that now that we've grown to love, but it I think what I was trying to explain is that it is a fairly hard concept to sell to television. I think if it would give, was given a little bit more time and the characters could have established themselves in the universe somewhat, maybe people have gl- would have glommed to it. If geek culture could have really gotten a hold of it and you could have gotten all these fucking podcasts and websites and blogs all behind it, I maybe it could have helped, but I really think trying to sell that in a, hey, or here's a 30-second TV spot, watch this on Friday or whenever the hell it was on, it's it was kind of a tough premise to sell to an audience. Well, I don't know about that because I mean, if you think about it mathematically, I mean, technically, uh, early television, one of the most successful genres of a show was the western. You know, your Bonanza, your Rawhide, you know, so on, and so on. No, I get that, Christian, but a space western—that's yeah, what, what I'm saying. I'm, okay, like, let me, what I'm saying is that so if space is fairly successful too, I lie, you know, your Star Trek Next Generation, you would think that the combination of the two wouldn't be that hard to understand. No, yeah, but, but yeah, but you're 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 mixing two genres though. To Mike's point, that have never really been at least. I mean, if they have, I don't think they've been done uh, at least to the level that that Firefly reached in terms of popularity. This is something that, as I said, my wife was like, "What are you talking about? This is a TV show." And I think Mike brings up a point that you know. This show needed to be introduced in a different manner, um, and and to Mike's point also, I think if this was on Sci-Fi, I don't think we'd be having this conversation right now. I think it would be it, the history would have replayed very differently. You know, Fox on a Friday night, you know, is is tr- traditionally X Files. You know, going back a few years, times. You know what I mean? And you got Dollhouse out there now. Those are different shows, but they're not Cowboys in Space, man. I mean, that's. Well, I, I think too, like to Mike's a couple of points. One. To Michael's point, you're trying to uh, appeal to a Fox audience. You know, sometimes to them, commercials about you know Kentucky Fried Chicken are confusing. And and two, that's um, nice. That's they, really <laughs> nice. I like no that, no offense that's... intended to any Fox listeners. Hey, I watch Fox. I mean, come on. But the, the other thing is, is I, I don't think there was any marketing behind this show. I didn't even know about this show until after. And I'm a pretty big television watcher. I knew nothing about it until uh, it was already out and uh, people were telling me about it on DVD. I was like, what the hell? What is this? I saw the movie first and I had to go back and find out what it was. And, and you know, maybe that partially was my fault, but I think a big part of it is that they, they weren't telling everybody about it. People didn't find out about it until it was too late. I think, and Andrew, that you're totally right because I think what was very obvious here and transparent was the network didn't have any faith in this program. They yeah. didn't whatsoever. They gave this program, uh, on, put it on air Friday, which is pretty much a graveyard for television, let's be honest, uh, the, simply based off the fact that Whedon at the time had Buffy and uh, Angel. So they were like, all right, whatever. He, he, they probably signed him to a, uh, you know, a TV deal, but they had no 
faith in Firefly. If they did, no you probably would have heard about it. We, all these people here, would have probably heard about it. They did no advertising. They did not put it in a very good time slot. So I think they thought immediately, Space Cowboys? Uh, not so sure. Like So I, I think Downs mentioned this in his earlier point, is that the network is largely to blame for the failure of Firefly on television. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, and I think like it's safe to say, like we were saying before, obviously this is not the first time this discussion has gone on about Firefly. It has a huge fan base now based on DVDs and the movie and you know all the millions of blogs out there and everything. You know but- what's so unbelievable, Andrew? Sorry to cut you off. Christian and I actually talked about this uh, recently. There are still podcasts dedicated to Firefly right now. Like, what, what well, that, the fuck are they talking about? Well, that, that's like uh, that movie I told you about. They're called the Browncoats, right? That is what the followers of uh, Firefly are called. And these dudes are like, they're making this one show out like it, like Star Wars and, you know what I mean, and Star Trek and Lord of the Rings. Well, I like it. I don't think it hits that quite level, but there is like a whole community now and I mean, this—you got to check out this documentary. It's all about these people going to conventions and buying the. Jane was the guy's name, by the way, from earlier. Yeah, yeah um, that's right. They—they they, they buy the funky knit, knitted hat he had, he wore. Like these are some crazy motherfuckers, man. I can only—I can only assume that these Firefly fans are hoping that at some way, somewhere, years from now, that Firefly will somehow come back, much like Star Trek: The Next Generation did from the uh, original Star Trek series, which didn't well, last very long either. Yeah, I no, think that's good. what they're hoping. I, I think they hope if you know, kind of like a la Family Guy, they put enough, uh, buy enough DVDs and put enough uh, petitions together that this is going to come back on the air. I think finally they're going to have to realize and call time of death on this one because the, with that cast, it's not going to happen again. Nathan Fillion's moved on, and you know, I'm not saying that he wouldn't. <laughs> but, to his huge success on Castle. Yeah. No, but, yeah, and to, but to, I mean, to, to the I point of that think... documentary again, though, they got that movie made. Like, if you want to talk about uh, the Star Trek and stuff, you know, th- those fans were the ones who bought that DVD series off the shelf. Like, they talked about okay, going around, going to meetings like, and saying, like, buy, buy, a, buy the DVD set, buy another one for, and give it for, to people for Christmas. I mean, that's no, what they sure. did. If, if I could have finished my point, I would have said the future for Firefly, I think, right now, is to, it w- would be to make more films. You know, and yeah, that, for sure. that would be their best route to get it back on television. I think they they did like you're saying the impossible of getting this thing made and put on uh, on the big screen. It's not just uh, a clever title of a documentary. There you go. <laughs> so okay, so Firefly was definitely the one I wanted to lead with because I knew with this group it was the perfect example of you know shows close to our heart that were killed way too soon. But why don't we dig a little bit deeper here? And I'm going to throw this first to uh, Christian. Why don't you tell us one of the shows that? Uh, you think was put to bed a bit too early? <laughs> uh, I had, I, had, I think, I actually had a, a, a few uh, ideas uh, or, or shows that came to mind, but one in particular, uh, most recently. And when I talk about this show, didn't last very long. It didn't last very long at all. Uh, it debuted in uh, uh, 2007, uh, right around March. Uh, it lasted for about six episodes. 
the show started uh, starred one of my favorite favorite actors. Uh, I guess you call her just guys on television. Uh, Andy Richter, and the show uh, debuted on NBC. And it was called Andy Barker, Private Investigator. And the premise of this show was Andy uh, Andy Richter played this uh, accountant called Andy Barker, who basically moves into an office that was uh, formerly owned by a private investigator. But people sti- still keep show. coming in and asking him to solve uh, cases for him. So he doesn't have any new account clients. So he says, sure, what the hell? And uh, then from there on, hilarity ensues. Um, it's created by Conan O'Brien, who I think was trying to basically uh, reimagine his original Look Well pilot that he did years back with Adam West. But that show was friggin' hilarious. Six episodes. It debuted on Thursday night, 9.30 time slot, which is a pretty prime good spot for oh, a new th- show to start. That's about as good as you can get, let's yeah, be yeah. honest. Yeah, get better than Thursday night. It was critically acclaimed. It has a Metacritic score of 73. You know, I think it'd have all the recipe for, like, a couple of more episodes. But, you know, uh, it wasn't. It was let go. You know, Christian, I, I will remember. say here, I... <laughs> I really appreciate your affinity for Andy Richter because you <laughs> love that guy. I'm not. Exactly. I, I, I I like Andy Richter. I do, but you are really the captain of his fan club. There's no question. And the one thing I will say about Andy Richter, uh, whether this is his choice or a choice of those he surrounds himself with, he definitely picks interesting vehicles. There's no question about that like he puts himself in uh andy richter controls the universe uh this program which i never had the luxury to watch but the premise i had to chuckle at because that's pretty fucking funny but what i think my own opinion without having ever watched it is (laughs) that sounds probably a little too clever and a little too out there for regular audiences because that is a great premise but Really, when I think of Thursday nights and what uh, or or the regular audience, because I was going to actually I would just stop myself there in mid sentence because, you know, the Thursday night lineup is not really dumbed down. So I I, like with The Office and uh, 30 Rock is also on Thursdays. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, And and that's what to think about the Thursday night audience. It was faced up against at the time. Was this not out when Friends we're at, when was it? 2007? No. Friends was over, I'd say. No, no. when was Andy Richter out? Yeah, 2007. Was it so that was, yeah, so that was Earl and uh, Office at 2007. I, I watched this, by the way. Uh, I don't know if I guess if I'm the only one on the call. Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually uh, did watch a couple episodes of this. I thought it was quite funny, too. It's funny because I hope to, rem- to remember things that I forgot were even on. I mean, this was, it was here and gone, like, in seconds. It was. I mean, I was. I was saying to myself, "Well, I should. I should do Andy Richter controls the universe, which only lasted 19 episodes." Mm-hmm. But I mean, that technically made it to DVD, and I'd already talked about an Atomic Pick. And then I remembered this, and I thought, "Man, this show was good." I mean, it had Tony Hale. Uh, you know, the basically the one-handed. I can't forget his character. The one-handed character uh, mm-hmm. from Arrested Development. It had the the father from uh, the father-in-law from Fargo. That old guy. Hilarious as the old investigator. It was, it was yeah, really yeah, yeah, good. Other, yeah. than, other than getting into like a history of the show, um, like the one thing that Andy Richter, I, I'm always shocked by how he gets his name in the title of all these things. Like he's essentially not really a big time anybody in Hollywood terms or anything like that, but he's a very funny guy. Um, he's, I don't know how he gets a show with, you know, Andy Richter controls the universe. Um, but his shows always seem to have this low budget feel to them. 
like it's almost like it and and like mike was saying maybe too smart for the general audience i don't know if it was that i had seen a couple of episodes i thought it was very funny but at the same time it, it wasn't something that wowed me like i didn't look at it and go this is a show i gotta watch every week i did based on the fact that i like andy richter but after watching the show i don't think i was so that means you are stupid then <laughs> no i just felt that the show wasn't really well produced so andrew's wrong Yes, Andrew is wrong. <laughs> yeah, or I'm right, and you guys are because it lasted six episodes. Exactly, because you did get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and I'm not one to say, hey, you know, I'm one of the big conglomerates or anything like that. I'm just, you know, I think the point today is to figure out or is to say why we think it was canceled early, not to rehash what we love about it. Well, you know, uh, like, and I think we're allowed to say what we like about the program. There's no question about that. And I will touch on one thing that you said, Andrew. I think Andy Richter, no question, there's no way he is A-list, but he is definitely a staple in the comedy community. And I think a lot of people, writers especially, uh, keep their eye out for him. So that's, I think that's why he stumbles upon a lot of these, uh, like I mentioned before, vehicles for very obscure uh, comedy roles. I, for one, I, I now that you've mentioned this, having not really known much about it, I think that sounds fucking hilarious. And I do want to throw out one thing. I, I Thanks to our fellow Atomic Geek here, Christian, I have seen Conan O'Brien's Look Well pilot. If you want to talk about something uh, that never even made it on air, Look Well with Adam West, that shit was very funny. Yeah. I can understand why it did not make it on air because, once again, it was a little too way too out there and probably too clever. But, you know, I, from the sounds of this, my verdict is it was something that probably fans couldn't relate to. And it was maybe on probably a, a little too crowded of a lineup on Thursday nights. But, man, that's a fucking great concept, I have to tell you. It's pretty yeah, funny. You're, you're fighting some pretty big heavyweights and some staples on Thursday nights. So even though it's a prime time, I, I can't remember. Was it on NBC? Yep. I Like, you're on a very good lineup, but you're – you're fighting for for your for survival on Thursday nights for sure. Well, yeah, I, I actually, in, in in light of like basically what happened was Thirty Rock got extended, but Andy Barker didn't, so we kind of won in, in one way and not in another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Thirty Rock that 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 was on the edge for a while, and that's one of those shows that I'm so thankful that they didn't cancel uh, when they talked about it. I thought it was going to get canceled, and I remember thinking, man. This is a very funny show. This thing now has gone on to win awards and stuff. I love that show. You know, 30, 30 Rock is one of those very, very, very rare shows where someone at the network goes, I believe in it. And I believe that's almost, if I may coin something here, that's almost the Seinfeld syndrome yeah. where someone goes, I like it. I don't give a shit. I'm going to give it a chance. And then it finds the audience. And I think that's what we have benefited from uh, for 30 Rock because it was on the bubble as you guys mentioned but now it's you know obviously it was always a uh, critical uh, favorite but now audiences are getting to it but there's a lot of shows that don't get the benefit of that that networks go fuck it pull the plug so on that Downs why don't you tell us one of the, your favorites that you feel got uh, killed a bit too quickly hmm which do I pick? I've got a list. Um, uh, I'm not gonna well, Dead Like Me, which I already talked about, so I won't. I won't. We won't go into that. I guess. 
because I already kind of gave you the story on a previous podcast. No, no, but let's but, let's but let's but let's mention it. Like, why oh. do you, okay, Dead Like Me, very popular show amongst the geek culture. That's for sure. Critically acclaimed. Very critically acclaimed. How many seasons did that last? Two. By two, two seasons. seasons. And what network was that on? Uh, that was cable, right? It was cable, yeah. Um, uh, like it's not HBO. It's like Showtime, maybe. Okay. So, what is your Andrew? Did you were you a fan of this program as well? Or no? This is one of those shows that everyone talked about, and everyone's you got to watch Dead Like Me. You got to see it, and it's because of all other shows and everything. I still haven't had a chance to watch it, but it's still on my list of I gotta go. I want to go pick that up and watch it. So down. So what? What you having been? Uh, uh, like a ve- you're a very strong advocate for this program. There's what wh- what do you feel led to the death of that? Excuse the pun. <laughs> Wait, uh, well, so, so first of all, one of the things I think I think one of the problems with it was that it was before its time. Um, if you look at a show like Reaper now, which has just started season two, it's pretty well acclaimed, I think. Um, and it and just got canceled. Downs. Are you serious? Yeah, man, I have to tell you, Reaper just fuck. got fucking axed. Five just minutes ago. I was just, oh, <laughs> you stole my joke. <laughs> it's just in. Reaper, dead. Well, I mean, I guess maybe generally the public isn't ready for this kind of dark comedy. I mean, Reaper is, uh, we could probably talk about that now, but um, you know, it, it's it's kind of dark. Dead Like Me was much more dark. It was much more sinister. Um, but, you know, in fact, what happened there, like, They've come out and said what happened behind the scenes there. You know what I mean? And and so it, it wasn't so much of anything like not believing in it. They just went ahead and canceled it and went a different way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was it had got all these awards. What's her name? Um, the actress from this who played, um, she was in a, a different world. Uh, Morgan, you know what I mean? Morgan Fairchild? I don't think Lisa Bonet? Uh, not Lisa Bonet. It was in the in a different world. She was the really prim and proper chick roommate. And oh. um, do you know who I mean? Hetty is no. that her name? No, no. Oh Jesus Christ! A- anyways, it'll come to us. Anyways, so she's on this, and she plays this tough Whitney. ass Whitney. Whitney, right? Whitney, who Dwayne Wayne was always in love with, right? Remember oh, Dwayne, Dwayne Wayne was always Wayne. trying to get Whitney. Oh Dwayne Wayne, will you ever win? <laughs> Actually, he did win. He hooked no, he, up with it. He, he came back from Japan. And he was all business-like. He had friggin' a suit on everything, and Whitley was like, "Oh my God, look at him!" That's but right. He, and, then, and then he didn't. He didn't want her that or something, wasn't it? Yeah, man. He he, he became a bit of a Mac Daddy a little bit on. That he push. was. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, so um, what was Sorry, I saying? We just threw you off. This <laughs> yeah, point. totally. I was thinking about a different world. And I was thinking about the spinoff. What was the spinoff from a different world? Wasn't there a spinoff from that too? I don't no. Know. Different roles to spin off of the Cosby show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Dead Like Me, right. So Whitney plays this hard-ass cop, right? And she's a black woman. So she won a Spirit Award like two seasons in a row. You know what I mean? Pretty prestigious female black actor award, right? Like, So this has got some pretty serious awards behind it. But ultimately, I mean, this is one of those shows that everyone came to after the fact. You know what I mean? It's like, but they, but they just did their movie too. So, you know, it's interesting that you know, it the whole different conversation. But I, I, when I was researching this, and um, I was looking up lists just to remind me of what shows have been out there that have been canceled. And this one guy was talking about how the advent of DVD um, and TV shows like X Files and The Simpsons and all those kind of flocking to DVD to put whole seasons out is kind of what caused some of these shows to fail because suddenly you didn't have to just watch what was on TV anymore. You could always you could go back and watch the X Files eight seasons if you'd never seen it. So they were talking. That's that's sorry to cut you. That's a, yeah, yeah. that's an interesting theory. 
It is, right? And if you think about that, even today, are you more likely now to go try something new or try something else that you can either A, download or B, purchase or borrow that you already know your friends like, like 24 or something like that? Do you know what I mean? Wow. You know, that's a very interesting sub point there because uh, now, do you remember back in the day that there, when we were younger, there would never be any summer series, if you will. Like there was right. shows ended in April or May and they came back in September. Do you, now it's almost like that you, Downs, you figured out the pattern now why the networks feel it necessary to continue putting out programming into the summer because there's the competition of us as TV viewing audiences saying, hey, okay. Uh, everything is done as of May 1st. Now I'm going to borrow my buddy's DVDs of Alias. Now I'm going to borrow my buddy's DVDs of Rome, and I'm going to watch those as opposed to flicking on my television. That's actually that's, very and, interesting. Well, and, and that's huge because that was never available, like almost in the history of the medium, right? Like yeah. when you go back to fucking whenever they the 50s and 60s when they launched television <laughs> since then it's been you will sit down and you will watch what we say when we say yeah and no, that's that's, that's kind of gone away now yeah, with, with and, and you add in pbrs to that right and it's like forget it the whole idea of a set schedule is just crumbling away yeah, yeah. so you're thinking that uh so to your thought a dead like me uh, just was too strange of a concept you don't think that uh, it appeals to audiences uh, yeah, I mean, like, like, like we talked about the Fox viewer. I just don't know if, if I mean, we're getting there. Like shows like Supernatural with Buddy from Smallville, uh, that's been on for a few seasons. So there is, an, there is an appetite, and I mean, Buffy was on forever. So there is a certain amount of appetite for that, um, you know, either, you know, demon or occultish type stuff. And I mean, in history, there's been vampire shows on television for years. So I, I guess I think, though, you have to have a really, really good show in this genre to make it just because there's just you got a limited audience. And this isn't like a football game, you know what I mean, where you have a baked in area of, of, of a country that every Sunday watches football regardless. You know what I mean? Yeah. That doesn't happen for shows about uh, Reapers. You know what I mean? No, you're right. OK, so you were going to mention uh, you quickly t touched on. Dead like me. What was what? What else was on your list? Sure. Okay, I, I got a bunch, but I'll go into one more, and then we can move on to someone else. But and this is a show probably no one else watched. It was called John Doe. I heard about this. I heard this was really good. Is this it, the guy that has amnesia and he can't figure out his shit? Yeah. Well, no. So he well he has <laughs> that's, amnesia. That's, 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 that's what actually sold studio. it to the. That's how they yeah. sold it to the network. What we're going to do the is press we're kit. About a show about a guy. He doesn't. He can't remember anything, and he can't remember his shit. Sold. Hire that man. <laughs> That was on the actual DVDs, I think, like printed <laughs> I on the just, DVDs. I was just trying to be crudely succinct for crying yes. out loud. No, well, so it, I mean, it's the guy who has no has amnesia, but at the same time, he knows everything else in the world. So he has he knows he doesn't worry about money. He can pick a, a, a safe in a second. He can escape from a, a building with security in ten seconds because he knows everything else in the world except for who he is, which is. In my mind, a concept that is fucking amazing. Anyone you know, else? I remembered hearing. I heard that. I heard about this program, and actually, uh, my sister uh, watched this as well and really quite enjoyed it. It sounds like a concept of a program that is just ready for prime time. I mean, I I can't say that sounds too far out there. What I was thinking about was 
and I, and I might stump you on this, and I don't know if Christian or Andrew might be able to help you out on this. Who was the actor that was in this? Do you Do- Dominic Purcell, the brother from Prison Break. Ernest Wait, is that who it was? Yes. Dominic Purcell, who also played uh, Dracula in uh, Dracula 2000. Um, I've followed his career since John Doe. It was, uh, yeah, Dominic Purcell. No, didn't he play uh, the freaking vampire in uh, the third or the second Blade movie? Uh, oh, oh, I think you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, the third must be third or second. No, third. Because second Blade movie is the alien guys whose head split open, right? Yeah. So it's Dominic the third. Purcell has a an enormous head. I'm just going to let you know that. And if anyone has <laughs> yes. having troubles placing him, he yeah, has a very large head. I think it says on his resume when it's for acting auditions. <laughs> Big head. Looking for guys <laughs> with huge heads. Get me Dominic Purcell, stop. <laughs> the you reason we asked who the actor was was yeah. because I'm trying to think of why a show like that wouldn't work is because are we at a point in television where, because uh, John Doe, this didn't come out too long ago. This is only a few years old. Am I? 2002. Oh, have okay. You, have you looked it up just now? Okay. Yeah. But that said, I would say in the last decade, God, TV has years. elevated its... Uh, is elevated itself in terms of quality. It's no longer the, uh, you know, my two dads, and that's all you're getting on and Quincy. <laughs> like, the, it, it's definitely elevated itself in terms of content. And I think the reason for that was the fragmentation of cable and uh, DV, uh, VHS, let's even say, and DVD. So what I was beginning to think is what you began to see even in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s was where you saw former film stars moving to television. And that yeah, is a big yeah. trend now. Yeah. So you you found yourself going, okay, I can watch something with Kiefer Sutherland in it. I can watch something with Terry Hatcher, mm. things like that. And or you would – so sold, shows would be sold based on the personality uh, or actor that was in it. Or there became these names that it was like Chris Carter. If Chris Carter had a new show out, mm. you had to watch it. If J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams had a new show out, you had to watch it. If David E. Kelly had a new show out, you got you had to watch it. Stephen Bochco, you had to watch it. So did this program, in which had a great concept, uh, which you just described, uh, they had an actor with an enormous head. So <laughs> did was it just that it did not – did it – did it basic was there a disservice to it in the fact that it didn't have any way to promote itself in the sense of it had an a, a, like let's call it a TV a list actor and or the right producer involved with it could that potentially hurt programming? Well, I mean, well, with this one, with this one for sure, he, Dominic Purcell was a no name when he was on when he was hit this show. So and this was on Friday nights at nine or ten. So, again, while I think to us it might sound like a great concept, I don't think at this time whatever studio this was on was totally sold. I mean, they gave it that the Graveyard Time shit, you know, and it's like, prove it. Yeah. Well, maybe Um, the audience couldn't sympathize with a character who couldn't get a bank loan. (laughs) How can I relate to this person? He's too much like me. <laughs> no, because, you know, the cool thing was he was almost like a superhero in that because he, he drove like, you know, a, a, a vintage Cobra, you know, like, you know, and like the a dude could tank? have anything. He drove a his tank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He drove a <laughs> his tank. 
No, but you know, like the dude could have anything except maybe it was a little bit. Actually, maybe there's a point that he was he was a little bit too unattainable. Um, you know, it, it hooked me. It started out with he like this guy's running in this forest. You don't know what the fuck's like the first episode. Guy's running and he's you don't even see his face. You just see leaves hitting you, right? Point of view of him, and he's just running, 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 running. Runs off a cliff and falls in like 50 feet into water, and you're like, oh my god, what the fuck was that? And then all of a sudden, that's him. And it was so the show was ultimately about why does this dude know everything on the fucking planet? Like like he would go into actually there's this one scene where he's in a bar and people are asked someone's asking someone a question and he answers the question because he can't help it someone else then throws him a question it goes on and on and on so much so he has to run out of this bar because they're just throwing he's like a fucking encyclopedia right and they're just throwing questions at him and it's too much he has to take off um Dance, I don't know. I it, love when you are so interested in something you don't what? even take a breath. You don't, that was one run-on sentence. <laughs> it was the I fucking cool show. I got yeah. to leave. I can't take the trivia no more. Critters. You know, but but <laughs> fuck you. The only thing that I wanted to add to this was that the, the segue here is that shows that need to be canceled is Prison Break. He's on and. The fucking show has nothing to do with prisons or breaking out of prisons. Why the fuck is it still on television? No prison, no break. I don't get it. What's I don't the deal? It. It's What's five the seasons later. <laughs> it's five <laughs> seasons later. And let's call it like the Prison Break Escape Team if we want to have an action show about them. Anyway. Oh, no, you're right. Couldn't we have yeah. one character in solitary, please? <laughs> so, Bloom, uh, why don't you tell us one of your shows then? All right. Um, a lot of times what you'll hear when we're talking about this stuff is this show is way too intelligent. And this show is, you know, and, and a lot of times I think maybe it's just our excuse because we like a show and maybe they're really just really stupid shows. But the one that the one that I think got canceled too early, uh, I think actually was a show that was too intelligent for television. And that's Arrested Development. Mm. Probably Great the funniest show. sitcom I've ever seen in my life, but not one that... I think would relate to a wide audience. I don't need to get into the premise of the show because it's really too hard to explain. Well, actually, that's um, a show with almost without a premise. It's so difficult. Yeah. You're right. And, uh, you know, with um, damn, what was the, the main guys, uh, Jason Bateman, Jason Bateman, I was keep on thinking Justin Bateman, but Jason, Jason Bateman in it and uh, where that Michael Sarah got his start. Uh, this show is incredibly funny, but I've showed it to other people, and I swear to God, I'm looking at them, waiting for them to laugh, and they just have this dumbfound look on their face, like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. And you're like, how can you not get the show? It's ridiculously funny. But it went through a whole lot of problems with the writing staff and whether or not it was going to be picked up by a different, uh, by Showtime, was it? Yeah. And then didn't get picked up, and, you know, they played their own joke. They played, they made fun of themselves on the show about Showtime and stuff like that. But I don't know... And Mike, you might know the actual reason why this show got canceled. Honestly, Andrew, I think the re the real reason was lack of viewership. I mean, it was because the the network that it was on, it wasn't meeting the, the threshold of audience that they needed it for. Arrested Development, I will completely agree with you. I think that's kind of a lofty claim to say it was the funniest uh, sitcom ever, <clears throat> Seinfeld. But the uh, <laughs> I will say that it was probably one of the most clever programs on television, on network television, uh, I've ever seen. But I made a very uh, valid point in my last statement there, network. And I think that was the problem. Arrested Development went on for uh, three seasons, despite maybe being somewhat short seasons. They didn't necessarily do 22 episodes. There were some... Uh, 
there, yeah, there were some small, uh, like maybe 12 episodes per season uh, per se. But I think what Arrested Development was, and Mitchell Hurwitz was a very funny writer, and he was uh, one of he was the creator of the program. This show is an example of a TV show that was made for cable. This is yeah. a clear example of that. It was not made for broad audience. It, if this show was on, dare I uh, say it, Showtime or the USA Network or uh, maybe the most convenient, Comedy Central or in Canada, the Comedy Network, it probably would have been nurtured and found the right audience. It definitely found an audience uh, enough because for an uh, for a show to perform poorly on Fox still means it's being seen by 3 million people, yeah. you know, about the audience that listens to the Atomic Geeks. <laughs> but uh, but I do think what put this thing to bed was it was on a broad network. I think the show, the way it delivered itself, it was almost an anti-sitcom. I think that's probably the best way to sum it up. They made fun of the conventions of television uh, they almost poked fun of the weekly TV format and the sitcom sort of format. It literally needed to be on a cable network. I, I mean, I have to agree with you as well. I mean, of course, calling this the most uh, funniest comedy of all time, cough, cough, night court. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I have to say, but I think the one thing that uh, that was also to the show's uh, detriment was that, uh, first of all, it, was, it kind of followed the framework of a soap opera. And if you almost didn't catch it, like almost in the first season, you kind of mm. would lose track a little bit, despite the fact that they gave you little synopsis at the beginning of the episodes. It's almost like mm. you had to be paying attention from the very beginning to get on the joke for the rest of the seasons or, or following seasons. I Christian, found. that is such a good point because you know what? I still don't think audiences are conditioned to think of 30 minute episodes in the sense of. Serialized, thank you. Like it, I think they still look at that as situational comedy versus serialized, and that's a very, very good point. And that's where uh, Arrested Development sort of tried to break conventions, but it was maybe hurt it a little bit. Great program. I, uh, I'm actually, it's on my list. Uh, but so if we want to jump on to my list, I'm going to throw out another sort of a peculiar program, which I can probably guess why it didn't do so well. But it was one of my perennial favorites. It's a show that was an MTV program that only lasted two short seasons, which was uh, a total of 21 episodes. And this was a uh, sketch comedy program, which I know a couple people mm. on this uh, on this podcast watch. And that's the Andy Dick show. Uh, uh -huh. This was actually Mike Downs was the person <laughs> that introduced this to us with a whole bag of weed and some beer. And let me tell you, <laughs> this show it was hilarious as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if, if anyone has not watched this, it's never actually shown up on DVD, which kind of sucks. But I did find a website today that has every single skit put oh, on there in the video. So I will post that on the atomicgeeks.com for anyone that's interested. It's quite funny. But uh guys, did you, uh, like the Andy Dick show, what do you think? Funny stuff or what? Uh Frankenstein think fire bad but red hot deals good. Oh. <laughs> I actually watched that today. That was the Frankenstein Auto Mart. I actually have a note to mention that cuz I knew you loved that Christian. <laughs> Uh, oh, another one I mean, of my favorite. The, the 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 dude who whose job was to jerk off the um uh 
the uh, endangered species. Oh my <laughs> and he's God. like, and he's like, no, no, no. I, I don't actually take the sample. That's someone else's job altogether, and that's gross. I just stroked the genitalia to get the sample. I'm like, oh my God, you're killing yourself when you're watching this thing. Or what was the other one? The other one was uh, uh, the, the relatives man. of the relatives of very famous uh, famous people, like uh, Marilyn Manson's like was it younger brother who's like yeah. a bank teller, but looked like, yeah. like Christina Aguilera's older sister Daphne Aguilera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My yeah. favorite skit was the when he did the uh, the boogeyman. Who basically decided that after three thousand years he couldn't scare kids anymore, so he had he, he had to become a house DJ. That was very funny. But you know what? I uh, we, you know we're having a good laugh talking show. about this. What I think hurt this program because it was definitely on the right network. MTV was yeah, the yeah. right show was the right uh, vehicle for this program. He was taught he you know he, Andy Dick. This happened back in two thousand one. He was talking about very relevant celebrities like Christina Aguilera. He was doing Marilyn Manson. He uh, it did a fucking spot-on impersonation of Tom Green as well as many others. Uh, but I, what I think this show needed, what if it was on right now, a show like the uh, Andy Dick show would have benefited from having the power of the internet. And I know the internet was back, uh, was around back in 2001, but what was not around was the YouTubes and the Funnier Dies and the Daily Motions and the Meta Cafes. Uh, Andy Dick was made for viral, like this, uh, and that's why the Saturday Night Lives and a lot of other sort of sketch comedy nowadays lives and breathes because they had that ability to say, "Holy shit, man, this is pretty funny. You should check this out. Let me email it to you." We had the ability, uh, the guys on this podcast, that Mike Downs taped it on VHS and brought it to our house. Do you remember that, Downs? Yeah, but, yeah. But at that time, th- that was such a harder way to sort of transfer around programs to one another. And I think with comedy especially, uh, organic pass around is very important. So I think it's not that I thought this show was too smart because – it was to Andrew mentioned this before. It was pretty juvenile when I actually have rewatched some of it uh, online. Uh, but I really think what hurt it was it didn't. It could not get that word of mouth advertising about it. Like where fans couldn't say uh, rally behind it and get it and save it and keep it on air. I'm laughing about your. Uh... Your comment there about the organic pass around and what you were probably smoking when you watched the show. <laughs> it was organic. At least you didn't say the organic reach around. Whoa! <laughs> you know what's funny though? I'm just—I was just looking this up on uh, Wikipedia to see if there was like any backstory because I think part of the problem may, may have been his his alcohol and drug problems at the, that he was experiencing at the time. You know what I mean? Because he was pretty fucked up then. Um, but it, it, it uh, the skit with uh, Tom Green where. Andy Dick is playing Tom Green, and Tom Green is playing Andy Dick, and they they are going crazy at each other. They're in this waiting room, and they actually destroy the waiting room for some meeting or something. I remember watching that and almost pissing myself. I was laughing so hard at this thing, and it was a great, great show. You're totally right, Mike, in terms of where it was. I think it might have been maybe he imploded a little bit because you don't – I mean, you know, he hasn't really kept any steady job. Um, You know, he's been in – you know, he's he's a known guy. But have you ever seen him stick on anything more than a season or two? He's filled in a lot of – it seems like he kind of takes what he can get in terms of jobs. You know what no, I mean? you're right. But a really funny yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So Okay, so Christian, why don't you throw us out another one of your shows that bit the bullet too soon? 
another another show that I have down here, uh, and that was uh, thankfully it did eventually come out in DVD. Uh, it was broadcast on the Fox network. Um, it was out. It was on air from about uh, 2001 November to January 2002 for about nine episodes. Uh, it was uh, starring Patrick Warburton as the Tick. Great. Yeah, I have this on my list as well. Yeah, and the Tick uh, essentially was based on the uh, indie comic book, and essentially this is like one of the few really kind of co- comedy shows where basically all the cast members were all in costumes and seemed to live in a city where they were kind of like the lower tier superheroes and their trials and tribulations of trying to become the big names in the superhero world in this city. It was pretty funny stuff. But again, you know, it, nine episodes and I guess who knows, cost of the cost of the production or who the hell knows, it was I th- gone. I, th- I think in your explanation of the premise of the show, you explained the whole reason why it didn't make it is the fact that people are walking around in superhero costumes for the show like people like us are going to get it but do you think other people would look at that and go what the hell is going on and they would just change it like i don't i see that i see that as being also the good point of it and also probably it's achilles heel i i I agree andrew i think you're very right here you know this show had there's no one can argue here that oh they didn't do the tick right because ben Mm. edland i believe is that's the name of the creator of the tick he was he was very heavily involved in that program. I he uh, wrote, I think, probably half of the the series programming or episodes. But I do agree with uh, Bloom heavily here that this was a hard show for casual people to flip by and go, "What the fuck is this guy wearing?" You know what <laughs> I, I mean? I was but, amazed that they actually even made the show. You know what I yeah, mean? It's, it's just yeah, true. that was one of those they. Well, and 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 did it and did it well. I mean, in terms of, to Mike's point of uh, the the fact that it was the creator involved. I mean, this was a serious take on. Well, I mean, a, a comedic take, but a serious attempt at bringing the tick to television. I mean, this wasn't like it was, you know, Batman with nipples on his costume. You know what I mean? Unless that was intended to be the message. Like this was seriously done. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, Fox had well, Fox had a lot of success already because the Tick animated series, which in itself mm. was pretty friggin' awesome. I was I was just uh, going to ask that. I was going to exactly. say, did the animated show come out before the live action? Yeah, it came up before, and they said, "Hey, this works." Uh, you know, the animated show seems to work. Let's make it. You know, prime time, and of course, you know, didn't work. That could be one of those like people always say before it's time thing. And, and if Mike, if I can use that as a segue myself or Michael, um, go ahead to, to put out one of mine. I've got an, an old school show that was the classic way before it's time show, and and that would be um, Police Squad. Thank you. That's also on my That's, list. I know. I like I like I didn't have that on my list either for crazy. <laughs> well, I'm not stealing it from you. No, I, I know, but I was just, I was just waiting. Someone said it. I was just yes. waiting for one of you fuckers to bring it up for crying out loud. This poor show, which is probably one of the my most favorite shows of all time, was canceled after four episodes. It didn't even get a chance to breathe uh, before it got canceled. And this and and the president of ABC said when it got canceled was this show got canceled because the viewer had to actually watch it to appreciate it. And <laughs> You know, That's this, so true. This is the thing. You have to pay attention to this show or you miss everything. This was uh, a very early – I mean, everyone – people who don't know what I'm talking about, this is the 
television show that came out before the Naked Gun movies, starring uh, Leslie Nielsen as Frank Drebin. This is like ridiculously funny to watch. Um, I'm assuming that you can get it on DVD because I had it on VHS. I, I have, own it I, on DVD. Yeah, I will say I, I I also own it on DVD. This is probably my top five of favorite TV shows ever, and it they only produce six episodes of it. Yeah. I is that Andrew? Did you read? Did you know that it's four episodes aired on? Air is that what it was? And six. What happened is they page? aired four episodes, and then that following summer they aired the last two. So actually, all six saw the light of day, but uh, not during the regular season. Oh, okay. You know that's a very and you know I think you stumbled upon why this Zucker and uh, David Zucker, Jerry Zucker, and Jim Abrams, commonly known as Zaz, went back when they used to make very good movies, The Airplane and Top Gun <laughs> and Naked Gun. Uh, that you already stumbled upon actually the reason for why this went off because it's so totally true that tv executive is bang on you could not get up and walk over and grab a bag of chips and answer the phone when this show was on i mean it demanded full attention that's why that zazz humor needed to almost be in a theater so in a way there's a small there's a a small part of me that is happy that the show did go off the air because we got the naked gun out of this or, or the three naked guns, naked gun, two and a half, probably my favorite, but I'll just throw that out. Uh, but I, I still cherish these six episodes. Do I wish they made more? Of course. Come on. This is probably my favorite type of comedy, but I, you're Andrew, that uh, little information that you dug up there, that's pretty dead on. Am I, is he right? Yeah, sure. that's, that's also right, but but also to the creator's uh, detriment as well, the the keep up with that amount of content, so much content for every single episode was also very difficult for them to produce numerous episodes. So the sus- sustaining was difficult, is what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, yeah that was think, that was another problem as well. It's Has that been documented? Is they said that? Is that what you're saying? I, I heard it somewhere. I mean, yes, I've read it on the internet or something. I've heard it somewhere that that mm. was also a problem with the show. Yeah, and I, I will. Think- I think it was it was also the quick fire jokes like the pace was much faster than a lot of a lot of pacing shows then and this and and also they kept going through their special guest appearances Robert Goulet they kept killing them off so oh my god you know. how awesome of an intro was that and tonight's special guest that uh, and then the person would die in the opening credits <laughs> yeah and, the, and awesome the, and the title of the show didn't match the title the announcer announced ever yeah. I yeah, will yeah, say yeah. this. To all the fans of the Atomic Geeks listening right now, if you if you like the Naked Gun films and if you sit through and even think you like all these epic movie and all that fucking bullshit, I, I, I will say this right now. The first episode of Police Squad, I can't remember the name of it, but it involves Sally Decker trying to hold, kill her dentist to pay off or kill somebody, <laughs> hold up a bank to pay off her dentist bills. That is probably the funniest half an hour you will ever watch. It is a fan, it is probably a classic spoof within 30 minutes. It is picture note perfect. This these one these shows the broken promise. These shows are the blueprint for what good fucking parody kind of movies are today. None of this fucking Wayne Brothers ass shit or any of this epic movie bullshit is whatever. They're all crap, man. The Zuckers are the one who started, who did this right from the very beginning and always have. You're right. Okay, Christian, why don't you give us uh, your next one? 
Oh, I didn't really have another one. I think that was basically the ones I had. That's all you have? All right, well, no, I have one. Like I had, more. <laughs> I had Police Squad. I had The Tick. I had oh, that, that were already Parker. taken. Right. Yeah, right, that's right. Jeez, right. okay. let's be nice. Well, let's be nice, guys. Don't fight. I've I've got one. Okay. I'm going to throw out another one. And this is another very short-lived uh, series. And it was in 1996, and it only produced seven episodes. But it was another sketch comedy show, which I still quote to this day. And that is... The Dana Carvey Show. I fucking knew it. Oh, wow. If anyone remembers this, Dana Carvey, after, shortly after leaving Saturday Night Live, got his own 30-minute sketch comedy show. And the name of uh, the names that were involved in this program, maybe back in 96, were not appealing. But today, if things were different, man, listen to this lineup. Dana Carvey, Steve Carell, Robert Smigel and Stephen Colbert were all regulars on the Dana Carvey show. Holy shit, I didn't know that. Yes, all writers and regulars on the Dana Carvey show. This is also where Robert Smigel debuted the TV Funhouse cartoons, and then it was then transferred over to uh, Saturday Night Live. This is still another show that never has popped up on DVD, which is a real shame because Dana Carvey did a lot of funny stuff on this program. Uh, One of his, which I can never get bored of, is Dana Carvey doing his Paul McCartney impersonation. So many bloody peanuts. (laughs) Exactly. That was so funny. And then uh, Robert Smigel and him as the two guys who think they're troublemakers who show up, who uh, they do their show all their antics, like them showing up, ordering uh, food through a drive through and then going paying and then going. Let's get out of here before they <laughs> yeah. get their food. And like, as if they're thinking they're like hitting each other and slapping each other. Ooh, they've done something so bad. This was a show that was really before its time. But in terms of trying to get my head around why it didn't work and why it didn't uh, like last on television and couldn't sustain itself was I, I really think it's very difficult to do sketch comedy in 30 minute increments. Yeah, yeah, and I think like Mad TV has proven that. Wasn't that a 30 minute show? No, uh, Mad TV, I think, was 60 minutes. I think the programs that were uh, 30 minutes were uh, the likes of like In Living Color and uh, like I know the Ben Stiller show was 30 minutes. Ben Stiller, I was going to say, that's on my list here, actually. Oh, Ben Stiller, very, very funny. But I, I don't know. I, I Maybe there was a glut of it, and maybe uh, D- uh, Dana Carvey, people associated him so closely to SNL that. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, he he's had a problem in his career totally that he's never been able to really, you know, follow up the characters on SNL. I mean, yeah, I, 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 has, has he really at all? I mean, not that I, you know what I mean? And then for a while there, he also had, like, heart problems as well. Like, wasn't he, like, out of, like, just basically entertainment altogether because of his heart problems? Yeah, I heard something about that. Was he but... sick for a while? Yeah. DJ, did you know this was canceled after seven episodes? Yeah. And the eighth unaired episode is actually available on YouTube mm. uh, or iTunes, and then the DVD is planned for release uh, this month. Fantastic. I got to yeah, tell you I that. Know. Okay, th- I like to hear that because uh, this show, I'm a huge fan of sketch comedy, uh, and I I still quote this to this day. So that's good to, that's good to hear, but, you know, I, I'm thinking about what probably hurt it. I think you guys probably nailed it, that it was probably Dana Carvey's association to SNL and the fact that 
it was on probably against, you know, seeing it, it or probably at eight o'clock on a Tuesday was hard for fans when they'd probably used to seeing it later in the evening when it was a little bit more sort of racy subject matter, if you will. Well, that's what, yeah. The, and reading about it, it just said it, because it had very controversial content and its ratings were starting to dip. They just said, yeah, and they they pulled the plug after only seven episodes. But I think, I mean, I, I Dana Carvey had a very strong stand-up and was obviously very popular on Saturday Night Live, but he also started a little bit of a movie career um, with, what was it, Opportunity Knox? And then oh, I think he had, God. I think he had you... another, I'm just, Matt, I'm not Matt, saying I, I, have a, I have a bigger movie career than Dana Carvey has. Give me a <laughs> fucking break. I think, he's, I think he started one, and and I don't know whether What is that, that movie where he plays that turtle, Master. turtle? Master yes. of Disguise. Oh, oh my God. God. And this is Dana Carvey shoots himself in the foot is what I'm kind of saying. Like he he has opportunities given to him and he doesn't seem to be able to, to um, produce. So Yeah. And you know what I think is also is Dana Carvey's also maybe been seen commonly back in the time as an, an accomplice with comedy, not as the leading yeah. man, if you will. He's Agreed, a lot yeah. of what he did before, outside of being a, a you know a spot on George Bush, he was yeah. always seen as a supporting character. So I don't think maybe people could accept him in that leading role. But still, well, he's, he's kind of weird looking. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't <laughs> like. Let's just be honest. I mean, he doesn't. He's, he's never going to be a leading man. You know, even Mike Myers had to build up to. You know what I mean? He had to be Wayne for a couple years before he was. You know, just. Uh, you know, headlining comedies by himself. Yeah. I mean, okay, so takes a bit of not gonna do it. Not gonna do it. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. <laughs> so, uh, so Downs or Andrew? Because I know Christian's already said that he shot his wad. Uh, <laughs> I had three shows. We talked forever. Know, what do you I want know. from me? I'll go. Let me go. I have a good one. Uh, uh, actually, I think Andrew, you might have watched this. Deadwood for HBO. I watched that on DVD afterwards. I yeah, me too. I didn't watch it while it was on, but I did catch it on DVD. I watched the first season. Uh, good show, very good show. You only watched no, the first not, season? I think. Well, maybe. Uh, I think I only did watch the first season. I got into it. I enjoyed it, but I, I, it wasn't like, oh, this is the best show I've ever watched in my life. It was very oh, good. Um, I'm trying to think of how how much I watched. Maybe it was just one season. Jeez. Well, I'll tell you one thing. My father loved the shit out of this show. Every year, I would like, you know, I'd give him the next season after next season on DVD. And it was funny, though, because he's a big his history buff and so on and so on. And uh, he said that actually the entire show was very historically accurate, according to the Old West. Well, it's funny because I've been, I was, I, you know, I had it on my list. So I wanted to research about it just to make sure I had my facts straight. I mean, there was only three seasons. It got canceled before the third season finished. Um, so, I mean, there wasn't much of it, but it's interesting because I was reading about all this. People were saying how, like, historically accurate. It was totally correct and, and, and historically accurate. It was like <laughs> historically <laughs> correct and accurate. And lots of cussing. Yeah, which I, cussing. which I'm a huge fan of. I mean, they used, I can, I can swear, but these guys used the word fuck like, and the one guy, what's his, uh, Swearing Jim was his character name. Ian McShane, I believe, is his real name. His name was Swearing Jim. Is that what his? No, Swearing Jim was his last name. Uh, I don't know what his first name. Was Swearing Jim. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that weird? Swearing like, Jim, how you doing? Pretty good, fucking. Swearing Jim. <laughs> Pretty good. No, but the the weird thing was is like they used cocksucker and motherfucker. Like they weren't swearing like you would think. 
Well, back they, they in the cowboy times, they weren't even swearing that much. They were showing blowjobs and fucking on this show. Yeah, it was so much. Like you're just like, holy crap, this is a fantastic show. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I'm listening. <laughs> well, you know, you know, like the, the other things that I thought were that they, they got it right. I mean, I'm a huge Western fan. In case my trip back in time to cowboy times last week didn't call me out, um, I like the Western, and so uh, you know what I liked about this one particularly was that they didn't really glamorize that time period like you'd see Swearingen or Ian McShane like go piss in like a fucking chamber pot and then take a rag and wipe his hands off or you know maybe he'd be sitting there taking a shit and they'd come in and talk to him and he'd just wipe his hands off because they didn't have running water and I was just like oh my god he just took a shit and now he's just wiping his hands off and now he's gonna go down and serve fucking alcohol in his bar you know what I mean I'm like wait a minute maybe I would never make it back in cowboy times uh, <laughs> it was just dysentery is what you're saying yeah, yeah hold yeah, on I mean, my lasso uh no <laughs> Like and it was the, the other like the other there was other like just those types of things like um you know they didn't really as I said glamorize the whole cowboy thing it was like played out people were very dirty there was a lot of swearing um the other thing I thought was really cool about it was that they it seemed to be people who were down on their luck would be the people who would go west because they didn't have anything to hold them to say the east so you would get basically the fucking you know, England sent them to Australia, and in North America, when it was being formed, they all went west. You know what I mean? And they were being out cowboys and doing shit like that because they couldn't get regular jobs. So it just meant for what I never really realized when I would watch westerns was that you pretty much had the fucking, you know, drebs of society. That's who the cowboys and, and you know, the people were on the on the west because it was an untamed area. So that was pretty neat. It was just a very cool show. Now, was this, an, this wasn't – sorry, Christian. Was this, a, was this an HBO program? Yeah, and so the other thing that I got when I was looking at this is that they seem to have fucking fucked the dog on this show because they just canceled it. It was like their highest rated show. It couldn't have been their highest because I believe, believe Sopranos was on. Oh, no. Cause what happened is, is one of the guy, the creators or writers of Sopranos, I think, created this. And what happened was is he he wrote this while um, James Gandolfini had his like little fit and wasn't going to sign the final year. Do you remember that? Yeah. And, yeah. and like it, it went on. like There was a strike. It went on. Not a strike, but they couldn't do anything. It went on and on forever. Apparently, Buddy's like, okay, fine. I'm going to go write another show. And went off and wrote two seasons of, of Deadwood. And then I guess it got put into production, Sopranos came back, and so I, I think what might have happened is maybe they, he didn't write anymore and he wasn't available, but they just were like, it's our critically acclaimed, but too bad. It, I, and I, the one thing I read was that they let all the actors' contracts just like time out, run out, and it was like, oh, well, we can't get the cast back, so we're canceling the show. So, that, so yeah, it's exa- this was more of a uh, creator issue which caused the cancellation of the program. Creator studio. I mean, I think if yeah. HBO was paying the fucking tension and driving their car, yeah. they would have said, "Wait, we got to get Buddy back and either get him back and write another couple seasons or do whatever we got to do." This is a hugely critically acclaimed show. Yeah, that's really that's really funny because the DVD collections, like compared to other DVD collections I've seen, there's a lot of money that's put into these things. Like it's a really nice package. You know, the box and everything. Do da do. No one. See, I think I think they realize now. And like, if, if you go to HBO, I think even today there's a site like Sopranos dedicated still to Deadwood like it's still a pretty I think it was I just they just missed the ball on this maybe it was just a fucking mistake or maybe there's something we don't know about you know the producer because he was supposed to go do some show called John in Cincinnati about some surfer dude um, and I've never fucking heard of that show so I mean maybe he's on anyone's fucking, list oh <laughs> uh, I, I remember Luke Perry I think was in that show or something like that. <laughs> is that a real show no, Maybe. it was like it was, like, it, was like, it was like it was like there were surfers and there was they stayed in a hotel. It was kind of a weird kind of show, apparently. I, yes, 
it was a real so fuck okay well there you go maybe after that it sucks so bad they're like fuck it forget it we're not bringing him back for deadwood now so so does anyone have any other programs before we i actually have quite a list and i you know i have a couple more if you can go into detail in each of them but one of the ones that that i i really enjoyed and it did not go anywhere um was the show love monkey did you, you guys love ever that hear show, about this eh? one? I, I enjoyed the show because it was it was based in music, right? It, like that Tom Cavanaugh, who's a Canadian, who I tend to like the Canadian. I was going to say you love um, that guy too. Yes, I like I, love him big time. Like, like scarily love him. Okay, okay. this is not like Downs t- professing his love and willing to have sex with um, Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. This is just, okay. You know what? If I'm I hosting enjoy- next week, our topic is: if you had to fuck a guy, who the fuck would you fuck? <laughs> That's, and who the fuck would you? And it was hard, hard. <laughs> it was Deadwood that swore all the time, eh? If you had to fuck a guy, who the fuck would you fuck? Cocksucker. Cocksucker. <laughs> Anyways, if I continue, explicit tag earned. <laughs> um, this was he's, he was a, a corporate music scout. He and then he moved. Are we still to talking about this guy? Hey, how about you shut up? I and, thought we were going to uh, be Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this every time, Andrew, whenever he talks. Um, anyways, it was it only lasted eight episodes. It had it. Um, it starred like Tom Cavanaugh. Um, it had what's his name from Jason Priestley. Jason Priestley, and then oh, uh, there, a couple other a guys were just right there. whatever. But the show was was excellent. Uh, I thought because it was all about music and stuff, and and it. It just really, I don't even know why it wouldn't have made it. It just, I don't know. That's called Love Love Monkey? Yeah. That show never really found its voice, though. I mean, like, I remember you, Andrew, talking about this, how much you uh, enjoyed it. And, I mean, this is going back, what, like five, six years probably? 2006. Oh, okay. No, but. uh, It didn't, it, it, yeah, and it started on CBS, and then third episode, they dropped to like 6 million viewers or something like that. And then they put it on VH1. They aired the remaining five episodes and then it was just, that's the end of that. Yeah. You know, I think that was probably a a chance of one, the, the title of the show makes no fucking sense. And two, uh, they probably, once again, this is another show that they didn't probably have the faith in it. And, and it was probably bounced around and uh, they didn't really give, a lot of nurturing to it. But I remember you once again mentioning it and talking about the concept of it. And I th- I think it sounds good because I, I as well am a music fan and I don't think TV has really tapped in to that sort of that concept where it's like the people that work in the music industry and that job. And I think because it could be interesting on a week to week and it could sustain itself in terms of writing. But uh, maybe it just wasn't the the right program as well. Maybe they'll eventually be able to do that properly. Right. Okay. The only other show that I have on my list, it's a cartoon and it's a show called clone high. And this was, Mm. uh, this Mm. was only on for one season in 2002, 2003. I don't know if anyone has ever seen this, but it's a, the, the concept of this show is it's a school populated by clones of historical figures like uh, Abraham Lincoln, Joan of Arc, JFK, and Gandhi. This show was fucking hilarious if you've never seen it. And, you know, it's weird to say uh, a cartoon that is canceled a bit before its time, 
But this one was, especially when you talk about all the networks that have, you know, so many different cartooning programs on, this show was hilarious. Will Forte was, uh, the, I believe he was Abraham Lincoln. If I, yes, if, yes, if I'm he correct. was Abraham Lincoln, Sorry. yeah. Yeah, he was Abraham Lincoln. Yep. Very funny show. I was actually surprised that this did, did not get picked up for a second uh, season. It might have been, once again, the case of... Christian, do you remember what network put this on? Was this the Comedy Central, or was this actually the Cartoon Network? Well, in, in Canada, I only remember watching this on... Uh, I, I guess it was the Comedy Network. Um, it's just it's just tough for, like, uh, animated series that are not being produced by a network. I mean, you look at Fox, they have, like, a friggin' night of animated shows, but if you're not... You don't, if you don't have big money backing behind you, production's very expensive. And if it doesn't fly, it won't come back. Yeah. No, you're totally right. But uh, I think, okay, so I'm, I think we're going to cut it off there. We've talked about a lot of programs. Well, what I was going to oh, say, wait, yeah, Dave, we had before, more on you, our before list. you cut it off, can I just throw out the rest of my list because I took the time to put one together? Yes, okay. Oh, Me okay, too. sir. Um, I'm going to say the show Life, which I've mentioned in Atomic Pick before. It's now canceled. Um, uh, I enjoyed that show quite a bit. There's another one that I'd probably get made fun of for enjoying, but it was Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip with uh, Matthew Perry. Oh, yeah, that was all right. I like that show. I just, it wasn't, people don't want a serious show about a comedy show. And, you know, you, you can't have too many Saturday Night Live type shows. And it was up against 30 Rocks. So I think maybe that's why it got canceled. Yeah, I think, you know, when I think of uh, the Sunset Strip and on that, it's all, that was almost the, volcano twister sort of uh syndrome with that show is that two programs came out at the exact same time about the same concept yeah. you know what i mean like it was unfortunate that that had to come out at the same time as 30 rock 30 rock is 30 minutes it's funny and where uh who was the writer that was well, i believe it was aaron sorkin that actually created that program and he took a, a much more dramatic approach to that and i think people were not ready for it though i have heard very good things about it yeah yeah i know it was uh, it was uh, quite quite enjoyable there sir um oh. another one an old favorite that i i don't know i haven't looked to see if it's on dvd but i love it uh the show get a life with chris elliott <laughs> awesome show mm, love geez. that show like that he died at the end of every episode they, like Here it was, was do you really think that show should have gone on longer? Like, how long did that show go on for? Like, was it like three seasons? No, I think it was like six episodes, wasn't it? No, it was like three seasons, dude. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it, was a it while. lasted for a while. And let me tell you, that premise alone. I mean, I'm surprised it actually lasted as long as it did. Good yeah, grief! Hilarious. So I love Chris Elliott. Watch Cabin Boy, Chris Elliott, and Andy Richter in the same movie. You want to buy a monkey? <laughs> and David Letterman. Um. Uh, well, I I talked about Family Guy, how it was originally, or I'd written down Family Guy because it was originally canceled, but did make it back on. Um, one of DJ's probably favorites, Temptation Island. That only made one episode, didn't it? No, or that made two seasons. Season. Two seasons, actually. Well, whatever. Still, <laughs> I would love it to come back. I would love it to come back. Don't we? Like, we've been writing into Fox for years. Yes, please, please make it make it back. Um, another one that 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 got canceled. Uh, I don't know even know why I put it on here, but it was pretty good. Was Pop Up Video. <laughs> Do you guys remember that show? Wasn't that on MTV? 
Yes. Oh, like that. like, that's where they played the music video, and then these thought bubbles came up with interesting facts, you know? Wow, Madonna's not wearing pants in this shot, you know? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I used to love watching pop-up video, but it lasted for, like, you know, and they played, like, the six, the same six videos, like, pop-up video. Oh, what an I hated that. I would watch that and go, I just want to watch the goddamn music video. Get those goddamn fucking thought bubbles out just of my all way. all the time. And uh, yeah. I think that was the original uh, one that came on before Blind Date. That's where Blind Date got the idea to have yeah. all this pop-ups and then the last one i put was that sarah connor chronicles yes because it's gonna it's about to get canceled hey it's officially been canceled yeah oh, has it's it been canceled? canceled i'm so fucking I don't, I don't like you guys on the twitter as much okay i, I have a bit of a list <laughs> or the internet <laughs> or the interweb uh i have a bit of a list um jericho which uh skeet ulrich was in anyone watch that did you uh, watch I, I that did show? For, uh, I did. It, it actually got canceled from my P- – I, I PVR'd that year, whatever it was, 2006, 2007, and I PVR'd all the new fall shows and did my own thing where I watched them all, and unfortunately Jericho got the cut. Yeah, that was one uh, of those shows I was like, man, that's actually kind of interesting. Maybe I'll catch it some other time, and I never did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it, you had to kind of be into it, right? So the I don't know if you know, DJ, what's about – Something just happens. It's like these guys are in a small town. It's like the end of the world or something. They don't know. It turns out that there was some sort of terrorist strike on like 12 U.S. cities. So all the major cities are gone. And it's like these people in Kansas, no one, there's no government, there's no nothing. It's just, you know, like what's going on? And it's, it's, it was a very cool show. I thought it was pretty neat that that was even on TV in a post 9-11 world. I mean, that they, that they would put this on. Uh, it only lasted for a season. Um, and then there was a, a big campaign on the internet, and I thought they got it back. They uh, everyone sent nuts into the studio because that was like Skeet Ulrich's last uh, his last line. It was like, okay, nuts, because that's what his grandfather said in Civil War or something. It was kind of gay, but they picked up on it and they sent like walnuts. They, they sent like walnuts to like the studio for like tons and tons of nuts and i thought i'd heard it got brought back but i was just trying to look i was looking it up and i was just trying to get in there and i don't know now there's talk of a movie with all the success of these unfortunately other brought shows. on the 1920 show nuts starring don rickles <laughs> yeah. can i just yeah. jump in here for one second you know you have to here we are the atomic geeks just want to throw out one little thing here we it is amazing how incredible fans and geeks are to certain subject matters eh we've talked about this already about Firefly, and now you're mentioning this about Jericho. When people get behind shit, they get behind shit. Like, it is unbelievable that there are people out there that get so involved and so interested in certain shows and movies or whatever that they will, like, literally raise a stink about it. We just want to raise a glass for a second to all those geeks. Hey, hey. There you go. Here's, Here's one for me. Here's one for my homies. All right, go, this, on, go on is, down. Is this the part where we start crying? Yes. <laughs> the only one, uh, other one on uh, the last one on my list was, as previously mentioned, the Ben Stiller show. Um, you know, I, I had to buy these VHSs off of eBay to get the episodes of the show. And it's pretty funny that when you go back, some of them don't hold up, but some of them are still pretty goddamn funny. And it, I, while we were talking about Andy Dick, they actually consider the Andy Dick show, as uh, I was looking at Wikipedia, they kind of consider that a sequel to the Ben Stiller show. You're totally right. The, because uh, it's you one know, of the same people and stuff. Yeah, the Ben Stiller show. I I actually own that on DVD, and there's a lot. There's some skits that you're are a little dated, but some of the stuff is still very funny. It holds up. In fact, there is one where a drug cl- counselor talks to 
a uh, school of grade three students, and it's <laughs> fucking hilarious. So I think that's going to do it for us for the topic tonight on the programs that have been cut off a little too quick. Some people still have the love for them. And a lot of the shows that we mentioned tonight, you could probably catch on DVD. But if those that are not on DVD, Google them. You might be a little surprised. You might be able to find some video content. And we might just put some of the links on theatomicgeeks.com. So before we sign off, why don't we jump to our Atomic Picks? So I'm going to throw first to Mike Downs. Oh, hello. Uh, well, since we're talking about TV shows and the canceling of TV shows, I wanted to throw a shout-out for a, a new show that I'm really digging and I hope uh, sticks around. It's called The Unusuals. Is anyone watching this? I've heard oh, about it. Oh, I, I recorded the first episode. I haven't got a chance to watch I'm I'm worried. That, anyway, is it good? Okay. Yeah, so it's it's a cop show. Um, <laughs> and and what, what I like about it is it's not like uh, you're – wait a second. Holy deja vu. Did I do this last week? No. Okay. All right. I thought I, I might have thought I might have atomic picked this already. Someone I just had a total and mushrooms on the podcast. <laughs> no, I snorted some coke. That was all. Um, no. So it's about it's it's not like your traditional CSI. That sh- there's none of that. Like no dead bodies, icky shit like that. That is which I'm kind of done with anyways this is about kind of your traditional just a bunch of cops all detectives in a, in a squad it has um the guy uh the black guy who played michael on lost also has the um the guy who plays chandler uh chandler's roommate who takes the place of joey who is like totally crazy you know who i yeah. mean yeah, also yeah. in uh, band of brothers not band of brothers um Saving Private Ryan. Okay, so those two are partners. Totally hilarious. The the, the one guy who plays Michael is a guy who believes he's going to die this year because it's the year he turns 46. His dad died when he was 46. His grandfather died when he was 46. And this is his 46th year. He, he wears a bulletproof vest. He won't do any and he won't do anything as a cop because he's afraid he's going to die. And then the other guy, you know, he is this guy who actually has a uh, a brain tumor and does, hasn't won't tell anybody about it. You find this out in the very beginning of the first episode. And so he's like living his life with that right but it's it's mostly about this this other kind of partnership of cops which is uh, amber tamblin and this other blonde guy and so it's just it's really cool because it's this tv show about cops it's a comedy for sure but um it kind of reminds me of the old days of things like Hill Street Blues and that, where uh, cop shows were about detectives running down cases. And, and it, this is like that, but it's a comedy, and so their cases are very weird. Sometimes one episode they were chasing this guy everyone thought was a zombie. Like, they're just kind of funky, weird, um, you know, which would happen in New York, funky, weird uh, cases. And then and it's, it's a quite a funny and a cool show, and I hope it sticks around. So check out The Unusuals if you haven't yet. Cool. Christian, why don't you give us our, your uh, atomic pick? Well, I, d- I did have some different atomic picks, but I think uh, based on this episode alone, I'm going to change them. I, everyone out there right now, go onto YouTube and type in "Look Well." Look well. I bought this on DVD years ago and paid like twenty dollars for it. Now it's free. It's online. It's on YouTube. Type in "Look Well," and if you have twenty-two minutes and thirty-nine seconds to spare, watch it. It's Conan O'Brien, Adam West. The thing is friggin' hilarious. Uh, also. Uh, Go out there and buy the Police Squad DVD. I mean, thank goodness for uh, friggin' DVD. All this, all these shows that we never thought we'd ever see again are now available for us to keep for the rest of our lives. It's, I think it's cheap as hell from what I remember, and it's six episodes, and it's the funniest shit you'll ever see for the, for the rest of your life. I promise. Bloom. Christian, stop telling me what to do. Uh, my, to, 
to I got two I guess because to uh, to talk about TV shows like we were. I'm just going to give a quick shout out to the final episode or season finale for uh, House. It was a very good episode. Watch that tonight. Usually it's very predictable. This one wasn't. Um, and my other is a comic book. And 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 because of the Atomic Geeks, I have been reading a ridiculous amount of comic books. Yay! Uh, yay! And loving every minute of it. Uh, my bank account isn't though. Um, I have been reading Fables, put out by Vertigo and written by Bill Willingham. This is awesome. This is all about uh, fairy tales and folklore people who have been kicked out of their uh, original fable land and now live in New York City um, in their own little fable town. It's, it, it's um, uh, available on uh, trade paperback, and each one sort of contains its own little type of story, different ones like murder mysteries or uh, thrillers or whatever. Uh, I can't say enough about this. I am reading it and absolutely loving it. So if you haven't read Fables, pick it up. All right. And then for my Atomic pick, seeing as how it was free comic book day a couple weeks ago at the time of this recording, I figured I would also mention a comic book for my Atomic pick. And I got reintroduced to a favorite comic book of mine at free comic book day and that would be the savage dragon uh savage dragon issue 148 was available for free uh, as a part of fcbd and you know it reminded me why i loved this series image comics's uh and eric larson's savage dragon i have actually been buying for the past 14 years if you can believe it uh it is approaching its 150th issue and you know savage dragon continues to be a very unique voice in the comic book industry it is definitely a series that it can only be described as a funny book it is very unique in a time in comics where things need to be gritty and uh very translatable for movies eric larson's savage dragon continues to kind of trail its own road. It is a very throwback to the Jack Kirby, Gil Kane, John Byrne era of 1970-era's comics, and it is an extremely interesting read. I've had the pleasure, as as well as a few of the other people on the Atomic Geeks podcast here, to have drank some beers with its creator, Eric Larson, and his enthusiasm for this series is unparalleled. And it continues to be showed even at issue 148. So if you have not read The Savage Dragon in a long time from Image Comics, you know you might want to pick it up again because Eric is continuing to deliver the goods. All right. So that's going to do us for the Atomic Geeks episode 17. We are getting up there. So if you have a chance and you're on iTunes and you are like our friend five trick nine, our little buddy from Montreal who was <laughs> nice enough to leave us an iTunes uh, review. We appreciate that buddy. Merci. Yeah. Uh, uh, but to, to that, the guy liked the episode that I didn't even appear on. So I don't know. I don't like him. That's why he <laughs> knows. So obviously he knows what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we, we definitely appreciate the iTunes reviews. So if you have a chance, get on there review as well. Uh, we have a Facebook group. We are on Twitter and for all your atomic geek goodness, go to the atomic geeks.com. 
That's going to do it for us this week, guys. We will see you in a little bit. We're out. You've just listened to another episode of The Atomic Geeks. Visit us at theatomicgeeks.com. Production by Andrew Bloom. Title track by Don't Look Down. So I think that's going to do it for us with the programs that got killed a little too soon and our explanation as to why and also why we like things. Cut that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Get Mike another also, drink. Why we like things. I'm sorry. And- I've, I've had a few beers now. Uh, okay, wait. <laughs>